rain outside. It kind of looks like Halloween outside a little bit tonight, doesn't it? So we're getting close to that time of the year as well. And uh, we are blessed to have those who are visiting with us tonight. It's always a joy and honor to be able to welcome our guests. Thank you for being here. And I hope that uh, you won't rush off too quickly. Uh, I want to remind you that we will have our worship together at 930 this coming Lord's Day. Our Bible classes on Sunday evening will be at 5 o'clock, and uh, we want to encourage you to make your plans to be with us then. Uh, there is no bulletin uh, this week, as you may have been able to tell so far, but I do have some announcements tonight that, to pass along to you. Uh, first of all, we want to express our deepest sympathy to Jimmy Timms and her family in the death of her sister, Marcia, who passed away early on Tuesday morning. The funeral is going to be tomorrow at 1 p.m. at the Lake Harbor Church Building, but there's going to be a burial and a graveside service on Friday uh, at Snowdown at 1 o'clock. And we're planning to take the church bus. If you'd like to ride that, uh, we'll leave the uh, annex about 12:15, and uh, we're making our way over to Snowdown for that uh, graveside service. So please, uh, if you want to ride the bus, plan to be there. Uh, I also want to mention that this coming Sunday morning after services, uh, Lads to Leaders song leading and songs of praise. You're going to be having a workshop. Uh, this is primarily for third grade on up. So remember the workshop for songs of praise and uh, song leading. Also, the Freed Hardeman Chorale is going to be with us a week from Sunday on October the 22nd. Uh, the young men that night will conduct a devotional at 5 o'clock. Uh, no classes at all are going to meet that night. And at the conclusion of the devotional period, the chorale will present their program. And we're going to have something that I'm excited about. I'm excited about the chorale, but I'm just about as excited about this. We're going to have a fellowship meal, all of us, in the annex following that. And uh, our visitation team will be helping with the meal. They ask that everyone attending uh, please bring several potluck dishes. Uh, if you need some suggestions, I'll be glad to give you some uh, if you want me to. But let's just be looking forward to a great evening on that Sunday evening. Tomorrow is our food pantry and closed closet. will be open from 9 until 1030, as well as next Thursday. Our monthly food pantry item is cornmeal, and we need you to try to bring that uh, the item, uh, if you can, so that we can continue to have what we need. Uh, trunk or Treat is scheduled for Sunday night, October the 29th, and there's sign-up sheets in the foyer uh, for trunks. Uh, please see Guy or Amelia Gardner if you would like to help or if you need more information. Also, our focus group, Fellowship of Christian Adult Singles. I got that right, didn't I? Right. I didn't even have the acronym there for me. The focus uh, group is going to be having a get-together on October the 20th. Uh, we will be going out to eat uh, at Reeves Fish and Steak. And then they'll be going to uh, the home of Chris Beard for uh, a bonfire. And uh, you're going to leave the building at 530 and it says bring a long chair. That group's doing very well. It's an excellent program. And uh, if you are single, you know, and you know that you are if you are, you try to try that out. I think you would enjoy it. 
For our devotional tonight, uh, Brother Jim Estes is going to be leading our singing. Brother Doug Greenway will lead our prayer. And we have visiting with us tonight, uh, Tristan Facello. I pronounced that right? Facello? Got that correct? Uh, he is a regional admissions uh, director at Freed Hardeman. Uh, he's a graduate of Freed Hardeman with a Bible degree. He's from Martinsburg, West Virginia. I don't know how close that is to uh, Sister Staley over there. It's not too close, but it's in the same state. Eastern, Eastern okay. So y'all, you got somebody from the state of West Virginia over there if you want to talk with them. Uh, he currently lives in Henderson. He's married to uh, Katie Facello, who cannot be here tonight for because of other obligations. And uh, we're going to ask Tristan to present our devotional thoughts at the appropriate time. Mark, please, number 902 for the invitation song, number 902. Then turn to number 453, number 453. <clears throat> I was sinking deep in sin, for the peace was you guys. Um, I'm going to try to attempt to make one of those corny preacher jokes, so even if it's not funny, just laugh for my sake. Um, being that I'm from West Virginia, a joke that my grandfather always loved to tell was he'd ask people, he'd say, you know, you know the toothbrush was invented in West Virginia, right? Like, no, I, I didn't know that. That's, that's pretty neat. He'd say, yeah, otherwise it would be called a teeth brush. So, yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> if you're from West Virginia, I'm sorry, I know. So the other week I taught a teen class and I'm going to abbreviate the lesson that I use in that because I think there's some real value in it and especially for contemporary thoughts, for, for something that we come into contact with pretty daily. So I started out the class with asking, hey, what's your, what's your favorite snack? And so they went around the room and told me and, and then finally get back to me and I said, well, my favorite snack's brownies. 
In fact, I like brownies so much, I wanted to make some brownies, but I had to be here so I didn't have time, you know how that goes. So I brought the stuff with me to make the brownies. So I pulled out of my Mary Poppins bag a big old bowl and then all the ingredients. So I pull out the flour and I put the flour in and then I put the vanilla extract in Then I crack some eggs and oh, he's really making brownies right now. He's, he's actually making brownies. And so I, you know, I tell him I got the list offline of the ingredients I needed from the world's best brownies, but I just kind of glanced through them real quick and grabbed the stuff. And so as I'm moving through, the next thing on the list was oil. And I pull out of my bag uh, 5W30, motor oil. And I pour it into the ingredients. I start, what are you doing? What are you doing? And I'm mixing it up. Not, not motor oil, vegetable oil. And I'm like, what? But it just, all it said was oil, right? And, you know, they were kind of like, what is, he, what is he getting at, right? And they, they just thought I was crazy. And then they asked, are you going to eat that? Are you going to eat that? You know, how it goes. Um, the reason why I did that is because I want to talk about face value. Taking things at face value. And, and how that can affect you, not only in your personal lives, um, but in your Christian walk as well. If you have your Bible, I want you to go ahead and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5. And I want to look at verses 15 through 17. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 through 17. Now I'm reading from the English Standard Version, the ESV. This says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time of making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So the ESV version doesn't have that weird word that you might see in some of your translations that's circumspectly. Now, circumspectly is not a word that you use every day, so of course I had to Google it and figure out what it means. And I didn't want just that top Google answer. I actually went to the Merriam-Webster and got the actual translation. This word circumspectly means careful to consider all circumstances impossible consequences. That's pretty heavy. Consider all circumstances impossible consequences. There's a lot of things that people are going to tell you in life that if taken at face value could be detrimental to you and have some pretty heavy consequences in life. Whereas if we were to consider what those consequences might have been or might be or the possible outcomes, we might save ourselves a lot of hurt and a lot of other people hurt. And for some reason in life, I was thinking about this as I was driving here, and I used to work in a car dealership. In all things in life almost, you kind of check things out and make sure they have some real value before you, you know, put yourself in a position where it's not of value, right? If you're going to buy a new car, uh, you don't just give $30,000 to the dealership and say, ah, just give me something. It'll be okay, right? You want to check that car out. You want to know about the manufacturer. You want to know that it's a reliable vehicle. You want to know that it's what you want, what color you want, all the fine details, right? The same thing with a house. You want to know that it's fit for you, that it has enough rooms, that it's in a good location. You, you wouldn't just buy it. So sometimes in, in life, that, that switch that causes us to consider all circumstances and all consequences just turns off. Someone tells you something that happened, uh, some drama, right? And they say, hey, you know, I heard such and such did such and such. And immediately you're upset and you're mad or, or you're sad. And then you go and you immediately start talking about it and, and just taking that person's word, you know, as rock instead of salt. And what happens is maybe that wasn't the situation. And then you put yourself out there and then, you know, maybe you look like a fool or, or maybe you hurt 
someone else, or maybe you made the situation even worse. Whereas if we were to just kind of step back for a minute and think about it and process it and go about it in a way that we figure out the information firsthand and, and consider all circumstances and possible consequences, it would probably turn out a lot better. And so I don't know why, you know, sometimes we struggle to make that transition in our mind of doing that, being circumspect about certain things, but oftentimes we forget to. Uh, go to Acts chapter 17 with me as well. This one's always pretty impressive to me. I'm going to talk about the Bereans for a little bit. Acts chapter 17, verses 10 and 11. So this is Paul and Silas in Berea. Now, Paul, I always admire Paul because he's one of the most diehard Christians, right? He's been through a whole bunch of different uh, hardships and, and still stayed dedicated to the Lord. We know his background. Very, very dedicated guy. Now, Paul and Silas, when they're in Berea, says the brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue. Now, these Jews, talking about the Jews in Berea, were more noble than those in Thessalonica. Why? Because they received the word with all eagerness. Here's the part I want to focus on. Examining the scriptures daily to see if the things were so. Now, the reason why this kind of stands out to me more is because Paul, we know what his, you know, his resume is, right? He's a pretty diehard Christian. For him to say that, you know, these Christians are noble, I feel like is, is holds some value. And they're noble because they check to see if the things that they were learning were true. They checked the scripture. So let's, let's make a shift here real quick. With the things I'm talking about at face value, with, with lessons in life or things that happen in life, with you know, drama or gossip or you know, things that we might run into and make a hasty decision on that may not be good for us, well, let's transition that into the spiritual aspect of it, right? There's a lot of different religions, if you will, out there that pick and choose what they want from the scriptures. Um, they'll pick and choose what they want to fit their agenda to make life easier for them, but still have a sense of spiritual satisfaction, right? Now, you would never know that unless you did what? You checked it out for yourself. A lot of these guys know how to speak. A lot of these guys know really good ways with words to make the things that they're saying sound really convincing. And especially, you know, for young people, and honestly of all ages, if you're not in this word, if your roots aren't deeply planted, then, then someone that is able to manipulate words to make it sound like it's really true might be able to shake you up a little bit. And so we need to be like Bereans. We need to be noble and search the scriptures daily and make sure that the things that we hear are true. And we need to walk circumspectly through life to make sure that we're considering all possible circumstances and consequences of any situation that we come into contact with. And, you know, I'm still young. I'm figuring a lot of things out. Me and my wife's one-year anniversary is next Sunday, so coming up on that. But I've learned so far that it is better to do it this way, to do it God's way. And I'm sure I'll continue to learn that throughout life. I'm sure you guys will as well. Um, there's a lot of things in life that bring us down, but God always picks us back up. I don't think that God would ever put anything in his word or ever give us a sign, or ever put us in a place, or point us in a direction that is going to do any harm to us. The only ones that can do harm to us is ultimately ourselves. Um, so I want to offer an invitation of, if you're struggling in life, if, if you've been taking things at face value that might have caused harm to others or to, your, to yourselves because you haven't 
you know, considered those consequences or circumstances. Um, and you need prayers for that, or you need to repent for that. Uh, I want to give you the opportunity to do that as well. Or if you have been like the Brians and you have checked out the scripture and you're not a Christian and you know what you need to do to be a Christian, and there's so many things out there in the world to tell you how to become a Christian that aren't what God has planned for you, not his plan of salvation. So if you, if you know what that plan of salvation is and you want to make that commitment to become a Christian, do that tonight. Don't hesitate for that. If you've got anything that you need prayed for, or if you want to become a Christian, come forward as we stand and as we say. with me please our dear heavenly father what a beautiful day that we've had today and what a privilege it is together here tonight to hear a portion of your word and study your word and be together and strengthen each other and help us look for opportunities to encourage each other and always be looking for opportunities to do a good deed to the glory of your name we pray for those that are sick we especially remember Jimmy and Gloria and the rest of uh, Marsha's family and uh, pray comfort for them that we might be a uh, encouragement of comfort to them on your behalf. We pray for Billy Deaton who has a scheduled uh, an aortic valve replacement next Tuesday and for others that are on our hearts and uh, in our prayers and we pray that you'll be with us through the rest of our time together tonight. We thank you for this fine young speaker that's come tonight to bless us. And we pray that we'll be able to gather again at the next appointed time. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. As our teachers go to class, let's sing uh, the first verse of Jesus Loves Me. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the
Can you hear me now? All right. All right, we'll begin with anyone that has any updates to the sick list. Um, I know Brother Deaton has mentioned having an upcoming uh, valve replacement coming up scheduled leave Tuesday. Uh, anyone else, any changes or anyone needs to be added? Sue Newcomb, who attends the Berea congregation, asked for prayers, having some medical difficulties, and we'll be glad to pray for her. Anyone else? Brother Ken. Brother Ken as well. We'll pray for Brother Ken as well. All right. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity we have to, to be assembled here together again with each other to, to strengthen one another. So thankful to have thy word to, to look upon and so thankful we have the, the old law to reflect upon and learn from. Lord, we pray that we'll always continue to feed on it. Pray, Lord, that we'll continue to grow and desire this sincere milk. Lord, we ask thee to be with the many sick and afflicted, many of undergoing treatments and cares. Lord, pray for many here, especially this congregation. Pray, Lord, also of Sister Sue Newcomb. Lord, pray for her in the upcoming um, treatment and things. Lord, pray for, for strength, healing, and care to her, and especially the ones caring for her. Lord, we ask thee to be with the number of missionaries that are overseas and many other places. Lord, we look at the the disruption and throughout this this world, Lord, we pray for peace and unity. Pray, Lord, as we know it comes from you. Lord, we ask thee to be with us through this Bible hour as we look at thy word and and open our minds and hearts and pray that, Lord, we'll, we'll look and assess it and, and grow and learn from it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, so we get here to chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians, get here in the the topic that comes from this where we picked up is love. We look at love and um, always continues to be looked at in the light of the greatest. As we begin, I was wanting to kind of us look together and kind of discuss a little bit, you know, as we think about love and the world we knew from when we was younger to now of how things have changed and what may have brought about the change and kind of how it's changed today, for, whether for the good or bad. As we look and think about it, um, I will soon be 36 years old, but I'm 35, so if we look and, you know, think and look back, you know, 20, 25 years, you know, age of a child, look at, look at it from that age and look to now how it's changed. I can see much change in my time, especially many here can, you know, look to that as well and see much change of what's happened of that. As we look and think about that, the question that I ask is how love in the world and in the church has progressed or either diminished. So if we look at it kind of from a worldly standpoint, standpoint, how has our love from one another changed in, say, 25, 30 years as has it has today? What change have you seen? Doesn't seem to be as much love and respect as there was, she says. 
definitely are some, as they always will be, but it doesn't seem to be as prevalent. Any other thoughts or input anyone has? Point of kind of maybe selfishness, you know, someone instead of concerned of what can be done, instead of what we could do for somebody, more people maybe looks what's benefiting for us could be possibly one thing going on. JT says that things we're having issues with today and, and his youth was not even thought of, not even an issue. So it brings the point of our age of people dealing with things that possibly was not even dealt with in other generations. Something as I was thinking about this is, <clears throat> you know, even when I was younger, people helped each other and people hired less stuff out. You know, I remember when I was younger, one of my daddy's best friends was Robert Lawson. And any time a tractor was broke down or anything like that, they would work not just an evening or not just a weekend. They'd work days and days and days, rebuild a piece of equipment. If a fence was tore down, you know, if they seen you, you didn't have to ask. It was just, he would load us boys up, and we was going there to help fix the fence. You know, where people, even when I was younger, if they was to build a shop or something, they wouldn't hire somebody to build a shop. Them and their friends would build it. You know, some of the friends that have enough knowledge of carpentry or other, some of them may have been in the trade of it. But people help people more is something that I see. You know, people did more of their own things. Now, I know the world moves faster and has led to a lot of that, but that was one of the, you know, thing that I, I noticed from my time. Now, looking at it from the point of the church, we look about love as the church as a whole or as the church of us as people or congregation. How have y'all seen the change of love in the church? Specifically, is it as pre prevalent as it was? I think people are more skeptical now. Somebody said something. So I think people are more skeptical now. People are more skeptical now, and not to add that, but I assume of maybe what people's motive might be, or kind of of what's attached or other, or maybe more afraid or. Um, of things. Easier to go into a community and knock on doors than it is now. People don't want to answer a door. The point of door to door, it's a sad time, you know. It's a sad time when you're in your home and late night knock at a door where it used to be greeting, now with the way the world is, may not come as so much of a greeting these days. The dangers and People's having a responsibility of protecting their homes. You know, it's, it's a sad fact of the way the world has come. 30 years ago, how many people locked their doors? You know, changed the look of that, of how safe people felt. So we look at it specifically from the point of the world and of the church. Well, as I thought about it, you know, as far as the degree of love, I, I was kind of uncertain of. But one thing that I've seen from when I was a child to now is I believe the church in the world as general is putting more emphasis on the youth and growing their faith. It's something I, I observed. You know, we look at this and 
You know, there's a time when people or men, you know, would think would almost be too afraid to do certain things in fear of, um, you know, maybe trying to entice children to church or other things or, or getting there under things that might be deemed as fun or other, you know. But I see that, you know, the example that I bring to point when we was younger, when we attended church, there was a basketball goal outside. And the kids from the neighboring area would come together at church time and play basketball. And then it would be literally they was having to herd the kids inside because they wanted to keep playing basketball. So it come to a point where they was upset, you know, thinking that it was, you know, of that. So they removed the basketball goal. And the thing that left with the basketball goal was all those community kids that was coming around to church. And not to the point of trying to say anything against them or their judgment of that. But the point remains it's so important to get the word and get the knowledge to our youth, you know, of means that we seem and believe to be scriptural, scripturally correct. <clears throat> so one thing of it I've noticed from, and not just that instance, but I, I see much and it's, it's a great thing that we have here that so much emphasis and so much dedication is put on our youth to keep them active, to keep them in it. You know, it's so important for them to have those relationships to build up when they leave the church or go to college or other. They need all these relationships grounded in faith and love of people that's going to help them make the good decisions and help them go to heaven ultimately. I believe the devil, as we look about that, has really cashed in on division in the last 30 years. I believe division is something that he has really been able to promote uh, from political to so many different areas. Um, you know, the thing and the point that's changed so much is that it's hard these days, you can't hardly disagree with, that, with somebody without them believing that they hate you. It's possible and it's very able to disagree with someone and still have very much love and respect for them. But it's become a common thing that just because you stand up for something, something that deems that you hate them, which is false, you know. It, it's, it's promoted, it's hurt, hurt many things. But that's one of the things I see today that's hindered love and many other things. Love is also being weaponized against Christians. You know, anytime we stand up against things that are wrong today, the first thing they want to throw up is say, well, you're supposed to love. You know, how can you condemn or speak out against things wrong? You know, you're supposed to be loving. So they use that as a tool against Christians, uh, I think, today. You know, as we look at combating so many things, um, you know, even all the way down to a work ethic of trying to teach kids and stuff. The work ethic of 25, 30 years ago is completely changed from today. Um, it's, a, it's a rare thing to see the hard work that was seen many years ago, and they still many are, but it's just not, not as prevalent. As we get here and start to get into the text, love. Scripture has a lot to say about love. 1 John 4, 8 says, anyone who doesn't, does not love does not know God. 1 Peter 4, 8 says, above all, keeping, keep loving one another. 1 John 4, 19 says, we love because he first loved us. John 14, 15 says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Let's turn together and look at Matthew 22, verses 34 through 40. 
Matthew 22, 34 through 40. Scripture says, But when the Pharisees being heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked a question to test him. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is likened to it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the law and the prophets. As we look at those two commandments, what would obeying, if everyone obeyed these two laws, what would that do for society? Would it not eliminate almost every issue? Just those two laws, you look at that. It would almost make a police station not unnecessary. You know, if we loved everyone as we loved ourselves and did that, just think about the change of that. I don't know if any of y'all are old enough to remember here of John Fogarty, but he wrote a song that's Joy of My Life is about his wife or about or either for his wife. And the comment he made on the live version of it said, isn't it amazing that God invented love for us to have? As we think about love and where it comes from, the source of it, it ultimately comes from God. As we look at the text, the first four verses, 1 Corinthians 13, it says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. And it is not arrogant. You know, as we look at these first four scriptures, the context of the reference of it, what do all four of these have in common with each other? All of them's in the reference of I. You know, as Paul's looking here at it, you know, he's putting himself in the shoes and it's everything. It's if I speak, you know, if I have, or if I have faith. You know, he's speaking all these things in his tense. And as we look at that and think about it of ourself, you know, a little bit of self-reflection of it, you know, and we question this. You know, if we look at Paul, you know, and his, his point of it, you know, we look at the noisy gong or the clanging cymbal. What is a gong or a cymbal? And what does it do? Makes a lot of noise. So we put our, ourselves in this and read these scriptures, you know, more or less it's saying, you know, all we're doing is making a bunch of racket, you know, if we're not doing these things, if we're not doing them in love, you know, of it. Our approach also in spreading the gospel, it has to be seasoned with salt and given in love. You know, he, he listed all these things. If we're not doing them in love, if we're not doing them, it's of no avail, it's no good. Same thing in spreading the gospel. It needs to be with the right motive, most definitely given with love. Verse 2, it says, if we use all our strengths and abilities to do great things but don't have love, we are nothing. That's a pretty bold statement. 
You know, think of doing all these great things that come to the end without this one thing. It makes it worthless. You know, in verse 3, it says, you know, as we look at it, you know, we think about these of what we do and good. What should be the main reason for us to do good and to love in reference to people? You know, what's our priority that we're concerned the most about them? Their soul. She's his command of God as well, absolutely. But it's for the hope of the saving of the soul. We always need to, you know, keep sight of what the goal is here. Matthew eighteen eleven says, The Son of Man has come to seek and save that which is lost. We're to walk in his example. As first Peter two twenty one says, Walking in his example. You know, he we love him because he first loved us. You know, we look at what he endured and how he still loved. You know, what he said from the cross, you know, in the garden, all these things that he was doing. He continued to love even though he was being treated in the worst way. We look at verses 4 through 8. Scripture says, Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It is not insistent in its own way. It is not resentable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. As we look at society and look at this scripture, are we a patient society? Patience is one of the big things that even me personally, but especially as a society as a whole, it's went out the window. When people want something or need something, it's right then. It's right now. They don't want to wait. They'll go to great lengths and cost to keep from waiting. We look at businesses and stuff that's come along from it. You look at Amazon Prime. There's now one-day shipping, two-day shipping. People buy it just for that very reason. I myself am guilty of it. Getting a pinch and need something or other. Whatever it is, you know, you do that. You look at the old lube oil change places, 15-minute, 10-minute, you know, if they guarantee that, their line's backed up to the road. Because, you know, today with the way it is, people aren't going to sit there for an hour, you know, to do. So as we look at patience and as a society where it's lost, another thing to look at, are we a kind society? Not like we should be, for sure. What's one of the biggest problems we have in our schools? Bullying. Bullying. You know, so much of that, a big defense against bullying and stuff and kids like that. Where does that teaching start, though? It starts at home. It starts with this right here being taught at home. So we look at these things and the issues of society. It all comes from not showing that love, not teaching that love, the love not being given. You know, as we hear the Corinthians, they were envious of these gifts. You know, they were boasting, arrogant. You know, as we look at that, love does not display pride. <clears throat> if we love each other because of our love for Jesus, then we'll not be concerned about receiving recognition. We won't care what the other people pay attention to or see us of what we're doing. All of the recognition that comes to, it, uh, to us should be deflected to God. You know, many times people pay people a compliment and they'll say, 
you know, I thank God, or to God be the glory. Many of our athletes, we see winning things, you know, they'll take time to pause and give God the glory. It's a very honorable thing. You know, it's, um, love's not to be rude. Um, you know, love doesn't dishonor other people. You know, words tear people down. You know, it's, sometimes we don't realize the effect that it can do. You know, we shouldn't be willing or looking to hurt others by our actions. Um, you know, as we look at rudeness, sometimes these days I feel like we have a great fear of being pushed over or not speaking up or not getting the last word. You know, sometimes, say, even something as simple as food being ordered wrong, you know, someone at the table, if you take it and accept it and not have a problem, somebody else at the table might be like, well, I wouldn't have had that. I sent it back and wanted it. You know, today we need to, you know, push against rudeness, being kind, letting it go. You know, put herself in their, their shoes, analyze these situations, um, and look, look through them through their, through their eyes before we're quick to respond. Let's look at Proverbs chapter 2, verses two through, 10 through 15. Proverbs chapter 2, verses 10 through 15. It says, For wisdom will come into your heart, and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you. Delivering you from the way of evil for men of perverted speech who forsake the paths of uprightness. To walk in the paths of darkness who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perverseness of evil. Men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. As we look to be, we don't want to be described as that. As we look of being kind, open, acceptive. And many times through this study we looked at it. This being love, loving, and being a loving person, you know, the key to all of this is being an approachable, kind person that when someone looks to wanting to know the knowledge of God or wants to study the Bible, we have to be approachable people for people to come to us to even be able to teach, teach the gospel, teach the love of Christ. In verse 7, it talks about, um, verse 7 it says, Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. You know, Scripture says, Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. You know, I think about things, and think about the good things and love of today. St. Jude, something that came to mind, you think about it. You know, St. Jude have children, people have cancer, many other things, and the thing about when they come there and get that treatment, when they leave there, they don't bear the burden of the debt or the cost from that. You know, there's so many places. We've went to St. Jude trail rides for years and years. A local one in Pontotoc we go to every year. They raise forty dollars to $60,000 every year. And there's people there that donate time and money and everything to that because they're wanting to alleviate the burden of that from those people. You know, imagine and know how difficult and how hard it is. And how great a blessing that is. But it all comes rooted in love. Selflessness. You know we had the missionary here Sunday. And <clears throat> you know thinking about the vastness difference of how we have it and to where they are. You know many of those areas. You know it's illegal to proclaim the gospel there. But still God's word is still prevailing. God's word is still pushing through. His word cannot be stopped. Love believes all things and hopes all things. Love endures all things. 
You know, we don't give up on each other. You know, we bear each other even though we make mistakes and we commit sins. We're not perfect people. You know, we're, none of us are perfect, but Jesus was. We continue to trust each other and believe in each other, and we always need to look and see the best of each other. Love endures even when we are harmed and hurt, and Paul tells us about this and says if we're going to desire the higher and the greater gifts, we need to look to love. The love of God must be the motivation for all of our actions. This love will lead us to love each other, not in words alone, but in our actions. Without the love of God for each other, we are nothing and we can gain nothing. You know, as we look here at first, verse 8 and we talk about we see the spiritual gifts of them that they're ceasing. You know, Paul declares that love never ends. You know, this is what makes love so important. Love is necessary because these spiritual gifts are passing away and will pass away. In verse 8, he makes this point clear. Prophesies would pass away. Speaking in various tongues and languages is going to pass away. The gifts of knowledge is going to cease. But love is so critical because it's permanent. The various spiritual gifts that they are arguing over and dividing would eventually disappear. The prophecies, healings, wisdom, knowledge, tongues, all of these gifts would come to an end. However, love will not disappear and still has it today. In verses 9 and 10, you know, Paul explains this truth. The first word of this verse he uses for. The verses explains these spiritual gifts will pass. And Paul, you know, he says, we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. Paul continues to speak of the partial here. He says, now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. Verse 9, you know, it talks about the part, and he continues on, he references these spiritual gifts. <clears throat> he illustrates that the present and only partial knowledge of the will of God, the reasons they were presently still receiving the revelation through these spirit, spiritual gifts, you know, some had these different varieties of gifts. Um, the Christians were receiving these, and piece by piece they were receiving God's knowledge. Verse 10 says, when the perfect will come, the partial will pass away, and these miracle, miraculous spiritual gifts would end. Verses 11 through 13, it says, when I was a child, I spoke like a child and thought as a child, and I reasoned as a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then shall I know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, but the greatest of these is love. You know, as we look at that and we think about it, why is faith not the greatest of these three? Why is faith greater than love? Will we always have need for faith? Faith will be useless. You'll have certainty. It has much necessity now, and it is, but one day there'll be a come that faith, what does the scripture say? Faith will become sight, right? That's a pretty awesome thing to think about. Why is hope not the greatest? Will we always need hope? We'll have reality. 
If you hope for a new car and you get one, the hope's gone, isn't it? You know, there'll be a day hope will no longer exist. But love, love always will be, always is the greatest because it will continue on. It will abound even in heaven. Let's look at a lesson in love from Christ. Let's go to Luke chapter 7, verse 36 through 47. Luke chapter 7, 36 through 47. Scripture says, One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at a table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears, and wiped them with the hair of her head, and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is touching him. For she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, Say it, teacher. A certain money lender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, they canceled the debt of both. Now which of them will love him more. Simon answered, I suppose the one who had the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. Then turning to the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. So as they come here looking and condemning this lady, you know, proclaiming her to be other, and in the end as he looked and regarded how she treated him, what she did, the end reasoning was said, for she loved much. So we look at love and the teachings of it abounding. Let's also look at a reference of the Old Testament if we have time. Let's look at Micah 6. We'll be reading Micah 6, 6, but I'll go back to the first of the book to kind of set some reference of this. In Micah chapter 1, verses 1 and 5, it says, The word of the Lord came to Micah, of Morsheth in the days of Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, which he saw concerning Samaria and Jerusalem. Verse 5 says, And all this is for the transgression of Jacob and for the sins of the house of Israel. What is the transgression of Jacob? Is it not Samaria? And what is the high place of Judah? Is it not Jerusalem? Now what was the continual cycle of the people of Israel that kept seeming to happen over and over and over? Falling back into sin. And every time when they did that, who would they turn to? And what would he continually do? Continue welcome back. So as we look at the context of this and the time of the old law and these people, Micah chapter 6, verse 6 through 8. 
The scripture says, With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Would the Lord be pleased with a thousand rams, with ten thousand rivers of oil? Should I give my firstborn for the transgression, the fruit of my body, for the sin of my soul? You know, they come and they're saying, what great thing can we do? What can we give? Can we give the best of our flock, the best of our fruit? Should we give ourselves? Should we even give our firstborn child? Now they're looking at all these things, you know, sorrow. What can they do to recompense? What can they do? He says, He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? He tells him three things. He says to do justice, do what's right. Love, kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. Love, kindness. If we love kindness, what will we all do? Be kind. We're going to be kind. We're going to show love. To love kindness, we're going to live a life of kindness. Showing acts to them. We're going to love our neighbors ourselves, aren't we? If we like a piece of pie, we want somebody else to have a piece of pie. Of all these great things that they proclaimed and asked what they should do, it come down to this. And one of them was loving kindness. I thought as we looked at that and how the, you know, example of Christ and what he taught and had to say, and we go all the way back here to the old law and what God had to say to these people. It's ever resounding and same today. It's the same cycle. You know, we fall back. It seems like we go up and down. Times change. People get more corrupt, evil. Times might get better, you know. But we always keep following God and keep looking forward. Any questions or comments before we close? Correction and instruction can be given, and it can be given in love. So just because we're doing it loving doesn't mean that we shouldn't or can't give correction or instruction. You know, we're commanded to. You know, but even that can be done in love. That's right. I mean, we're, the ultimate goal of it is loving their soul and trying to save them. And that's the point she made, you know, that it's, you know, today society, you know, correlates disagreeing with someone as hate. And it's a device of the devil, I believe, that's, you know, a tool that 
he uses every day. We'll go ahead and close in prayer. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this time we've had. We're so thankful for your word, so thankful for your people. Lord, we pray that we'll all continue to, to grow and support one another. Pray, Lord, that we'll leave this place and pray that others can see Christ and Christ's love in us. And Lord, pray that when we're approached and asked for the reason of hope and meekness of fear in us, that we'll be ready to give that answer and we'll be ready to declare that to them the gospel. Lord, we ask that as we leave this place, Lord, to keep us safe and bring us back the next point in time. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.